I'm going to talk about restoration. What's our work? We're, our work is to restore people. Galatians chapter 6, if you want to go there. We're going to start there. And, wow, this is like up in the atmosphere. It's a little warmer. <laughs> yeah, you ought to be up here. Yeah, if it's cold down there, come on up here. It's, it's really cool. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, and then we're going to go one other place. But um, I left the house this morning. I didn't get anything set up here, so here we go. Okay, Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. What I'd like to do, I'd like to look at words. You know that. I've, I've been around you guys enough that I, I like looking at the, each individual word or different groups of words because that tells us what this is all about. And the first thing I want us to see is that first word, brethren. That would be us. If you're saved, that's us. That, uh, we have no excuse uh, for not hearing at least what, what is going to be said here. Brethren, it says, if a man be overtaken in a fault. Hmm. It doesn't say what kind of a man. It doesn't say a good man, a bad man, a, a guy uh, uh, sitting in an office somewhere, a corner office up on the 52nd floor. It doesn't say that. A guy sitting over at Stark County Jail, uh, a man, anybody. This applies to anybody, just anybody. If a man be overtaken in a fault. Now, that's, that isn't some petty little thing, you know. Uh, somebody took your seat in church, you know. Somebody took your parking place out there. You know, the little things. That, that's not what this is talking about. This says, if a man be overtaken in a fault, a fault, a fault is sin, if a man be overtaken in that sin, that's, that's something that he didn't plan on, something that he probably made some really stupid choices to get to that point, but that wasn't really something he wanted in his life. If a man be overtaken, he's under the control of something. And right away, what your mind is going to is drugs, alcohol, pornography, all that stuff, which is natural, uh, but it can be anything. It can be anger. It can be a temper. It can be, I'm not going to say it can be overeating. We're not going there. Uh, it can be anything, anything at all, you know. If a man be overtaken in a fault, and, and lots of times that will apply to us through our lives. We've, we've, we've allowed things to come into our lives that, are, that control us, and until something is said or something is done, we're under that control. So, brethren, if a man be uh, overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, say, oh, whew, that's good. That lets me off the hook. That's Chuck. Yeah, I don't have to do this. That, that's, that's Matt. That, that's, those, are, those are the spiritual guys. Well, and it didn't say those who are sinless, did it? Hmm. You which are spiritual, what is leading your life? What is the general direction of your life? How are you, who are you following? 
Not perfectly. We're not sinless, most certainly. But are you following Christ? Are you following the Holy Spirit? Is that what you're attempting to do? And we fall here and we fall there and we don't live up to it. But if you are following the Holy Spirit and that's your guideline for life, you are spiritual. If you are spiritual. So that's, you know, that's pretty well nailing every one of us, isn't it? Yeah, you're saved, okay? You're spiritual, we're following, we're trying, absolutely. If you weren't spiritual, you wouldn't be here this morning. Not in that kind of weather, you wouldn't be here. And I'm not saying anything about people that can't make it out. I mean, my wife's not here either. So, uh, spiritual, following the Holy Spirit, that's what this is all about. Okay, so what are we to do, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Restore. Restore. You don't go online and badmouth them, you know, tear them apart on Facebook, go behind their backs and comment about them. You you don't do that, and that seems to be the problem anymore. People are doing that so much, it just... It's terrible. We see kids that are uh, in such depression, and sometimes it ends up really bad because people are doing that to them, you know. Um, we're to restore them. You know what? Restore, that word restore means to bring back, bring back. Before that thing was controlling them, bring them back to that point. Bring them back to Christ. I, I get so many people that I work with in the jails and the prisons. Uh, after a little bit of time, they'll get involved in uh, Bible studies with me. They'll do, uh, they'll want a Bible. They'll start reading their Bible. And I get so many of them say, chap, thank you so much. I remember this stuff. I, I, this is stuff I had when I was a kid. Grandma took me to church, and I remember a lot of this stuff, but I forgot it. I walked away from it. Other things came into my life, and I forgot all about it. That's what we're to be doing is bring them back, restoring them. You know, you restore a house. You, you get out all the old stuff, and you put in all the new stuff that, that's going to make it good. That's what we're to do with these people's lives. Wow, that's got to be a job. I don't have a Bible education. I haven't been to, uh, you know, Bible college or any of that stuff. And I, I you know, I know some of my Bible, but I, I don't know. And and we tend to want to back away from that job, don't we? Restore some of the people that come into the jail out there. Uh, I've got an app on my phone, and you can get it also if you want it, but, you know, whatever. But I, I get the roster of who's out there, and I can pull that up anytime and look and see, and their picture is on there also. And some of those, you bring that picture up, it's like, whoa, <laughs> what happened here? <laughs> you know, this, this, oh, my. And, and the thought comes that how would they ever, just the way they look, how would they ever be welcomed in most churches? I know they're welcomed here. I, I know that. That's history. <laughs> we've, we've seen that happen. But most churches, they won't. We've got a young man came in uh, a couple months ago. He's going to be with us till April, which is good. Uh, 
hair all straggly and just kind of an attitude and everything. And, and he wanted a Bible, okay? Come to find out way down the road, his dad's a believer. And dad had to be real, real happy because this young man said, yeah, I'm, I'm putting my trust in Christ right now. And he did. He got saved, you know, which was great. And I didn't see him for a few days because I'm, I'm in and out, you know. And when I came back, I didn't recognize him. He got his hair cut. Shroom! <laughs> I mean, he's not bald, but there ain't a whole lot of hair there. And I looked and I thought, is that Kyle? And he's, he's a trustee, so he's working the hallways, cleaning and stuff. That's what they do out there. And big smile on his face. And he said, man, I got into my Bible. He said, that's some good stuff. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oh, absolutely. That's some good, good stuff, you know. And he, he got into our men's challenge class. He was not court ordered. He just came in voluntarily. Uh, and he did well. He just, that was, I was teaching it back then. And he was just responding like you wouldn't believe. Nice. The Word of God's getting into his heart. Well, we've got a, another program called Men of Courage, and it's a one-on-one -on -one, uh, program, a one-on-one -on -one discipleship thing. And my uh, helper out there, Mike, he's, he's teaching two men with that, one-on-one. -on -one. You just, man, I mean, they'll open right up on a one-on-one. -on -one. And we brought Kyle in on that. And I'm not kidding. Every time I see him in the hallway, he says, oh, chap, thank you so much. Thank you so much. My life has so changed. Mike is such a good teacher. And he is. He gets very personal with you, you know. Uh, and he's answering my questions and everything is so good. He said, I'll be getting out in April and I'm headed down to uh, Leland, North Carolina. And I need a church. Can you help me? Well, that's easy. You go online, you look at Leland, and you start sorting them out. And I found an independent, fundamental Baptist, King James. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the pastor's uh, probably late 40s, early 50s, you know, so it's not, not some kid or some old guy ready to retire. And that's okay, Chuck. That's all right. It's good. It's good. Retirement. It ain't what it's cracked up to. I did that 10 years ago. It ain't. I mean, that's not. Yeah. So anyhow, I found him this church. He said, I know right where that's at. That's great. Wonderful. So he's trying to write him now and get a little bit of a relationship. And his dad's doing some things. What did we do? What was that that we did? We restored him. That's it. How did we know what to do? We don't. You follow God. I have no idea how to how to do that. I don't know what this kid needs. I mean, I, I know what he needs. I mean, he needs the Word of God for sure. But how does that work? How do you get that Word of God into somebody? You follow God. You just follow God. The knowledge that you have, he'll be able to use. I'm not going to get done with any of this stuff, so we're just going to keep on going. Okay, ye which are spiritual... Uh, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. Now, that's real important, the spirit of meekness. 
If you come off trying to help somebody and you're like, oh, look at what you, look at what you did, you see, what's that, what's, what's going to happen? What are you projecting out of that? You're projecting pride. Well, I'm better than you are. Well, I know more Bible than you do. You know, you may not say it that way, but boy, your attitude will come across that way. And before long, pride will get so in the way of that thing. That's not meekness. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is that humbleness that, hey, here's what I want to show you. This is good. This is wonderful. Let them talk. You talk. You know, spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. That's that pride thing, you know. Um, I, I can I can look at Kyle when I'm over at the jail, and I, I, every time I'm there, I see him, uh, and I I see what all has taken place in his life. You know, in a short period of time, just a couple months that he's been there, I I seen him just totally go from whatever to somebody who is so excited about the Word of God, so wanting to get going. <laughs> I'm praying for a preacher out of that one. Yeah, that, that would be real, real good. You don't know. But look at how that has all changed. Look at what we did. We saw that in him. We are teaching him. You see what I'm saying? Uh-huh. And what just happened? Pride. Pride came in. We didn't do a thing. We followed God. God did it. I mean, I bring, we bring him into the men's men of courage class, and it's him and Mike. That's it. It's designed to be that way, so they can ask anything they want to ask. You bring a, a third person in there, everybody shuts up. They're not they're not going to open up. Yeah, you know, I learned that from Chuck. <laughs> uh, but that one on one, and God directs all that. God brings that about. I, I talked to Mike the other day. Uh, Friday, I think it was before he left, and he had Kyle at 2.30 on Friday afternoon from 2.30 to 3.30. That's their standing appointment as long as Kyle's there and they're working the program. And he came in and he said, you know, he said it was really, really good today. This is Mike, he was telling me. He said it was so good. He said we, we got some of the lesson done. We got some of the material covered, but we just kind of sat there and talked. And got to know him and got to know what his, you know, man, that's what it's all about, you know. That's when he found out his dad is a believer and, and, you know, really supportive of Kyle. And he lives in Leland, North Carolina, right, where that's why Kyle's going down there. And it was just so good. We got that insight into him that's going to, God's going to be able to use that to be able to direct his mind, you see. It's good. It's just so good. It, it really is. But we got to be willing to do it. Do you realize that verse 1, what we just read there, that's a command. That isn't if you feel like it. It doesn't say that. It says, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore. That's it. That's what we got to do. And we're going to come up with all of these crazy excuses. I don't know how to do that. Well, you never aim to do that. Now, I, Mr. Counselor here, you correct me if I'm wrong, absolutely. But that is not our main goal 
to restore somebody. We, we, we know what they're doing. We know where they're at. They're at the bottom of their life, maybe. And what we want to do, we want to present the Word of God. We want to present something to them that God can use, not us. God's going to use it. God's going to do the restoring. But we have to be faithful in giving the material out because God's going to use us. He's going to use us to give them exactly what they need. Okay, so how can we sit back then if it's God and if God's the one that's doing it through the Holy Spirit, working in the lives of of the person that he has put us in contact with and burdened our heart for? If if it's him that's doing it all, how can we ever say, oh, no, I can't? That's silly, isn't it? Because it isn't us that's doing it. It's God. God just says, here, go go come alongside. You remember Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch? We're not going to go there, but, I mean, so many stories. Uh, he's sitting, this Ethiopian guy is sitting in his chariot going back home, and he's reading the book of Isaiah where it talks about Jesus, and he does not understand what he's reading. And God provides Philip to come alongside and show him. What did Philip do? All Philip did was just tell him what the Word of God says. And then he says, well, there's water. Can I be baptized? And Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, yes, you can, absolutely. Who did that in the heart of that Ethiopian guy? It sure wasn't Philip. It was God. It was God. How can Philip go alongside and say, well, I don't know. I'm, you know. They were having a great revival meeting, the way I understand it, and the Lord called him out into the desert, out into this one man, this one guy, this Ethiopian that was headed back home. Why? His heart was right. Did Philip know that? Philip didn't know that. All Philip knew was follow God, and he brought him to that one guy. Now, there was a whole boatload of other guys that were going on, a lot of, a lot of revival happening where Philip was, and, and yet God pulled him away from that and took him to that one Ethiopian guy. Philip could have said, I don't know how to speak Ethiopian. Philip could have said, he's not my kind of person. He could have said, this guy's wealthy, I'm not. You know, and, and all kind of excuses for not talking to him. But that one Ethiopian guy is who God wanted to have the truth to go back. And how many, we have no idea how many hundreds, thousands heard the gospel because Philip decided to say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? Or restore this guy, bring this guy around, show him, teach him. He needs to be saved. He needs to be baptized. And he was. And he went back and Philip's gone. That's it. He, he, all of a sudden, he's somewhere else. Uh, that's, a, that's a God thing. So when God brings somebody into our lives and you start getting this feeling of, wow, they need something. They need help. They, they, this isn't right. I mean, I got a whole jail full of them out there. Uh, they're at the bottom. They're, they're, they don't know where to go. They don't know what to do. And we come alongside. You've got friends. God will bring, you say, oh, I don't know of anybody. God will show you. 
You want you want to you want to be used by God. God'll give you somebody. It may be somebody at Walmart. Who knows? God'll give you somebody, you know. That's the way God works. So we can't be saying, "Oh, I can't." I think I told you the story and I don't want to keep repeating, but I'm going to anyhow cuz I'm up here. Uh <laughs> When when I was told by the chaplain at the jail that he was retiring, I said, well, who are they going to get? They That was an organization we were under at the time. Who are they going to get to be the chaplain? And immediately this guy said, you. I'm like, no, no, not really. Not me. Who? Really? No. He said, I turned your name in. Oh, man. I got so sick. I just... Mm-mm, mm-mm. I cannot be a chaplain. I can be a pastor. I can do all this other stuff. I cannot. I don't know how to be a chaplain. So I prayed about that thing that night and into the next day. And and I told God, I says, I don't know how to be a chaplain. Remember, if you heard this story, you remember what God said? He said, I know. I know you don't. You can't follow me. It's as simple as that. Do you know how to restore somebody? Do you know how to work with somebody? No. God says, I know, but I brought them to you. I put them alongside of you. I made that contact. I put this on your heart. Follow me. That's it. And if God ends it, it's ended. That's it. You've done your work. We get people out at the jail. They come in there. I've, I've got I've got one guy out there that's been there for a year and a half now. Uh, normally, 30, 60 days, 90 days, that's it. We get some come in and out in a weekend, and I never see them. They're just boom, boom. They're in and out. But the day comes when they leave there because that's not a permanent place. They either ride out the prison or something. They go. They're done. And my time is done with them. Because when they leave, most of them, 99% of the people that get out and get out, I lose them. They're gone. Well, they give me an address. <laughs> yeah. Well, they used to live there. Or, yeah, their significant other lives there, and they got papers on them on do not contact. So you don't even want to go there. You don't even want to talk about that one, you know. So my work's done. That's it. It was that limited little time. It would be the same way with you. It can be that limited little bit of time. And if you spend that time saying, no, no, I can't, oh, no, uh, I'm too busy, you know, that time's going to be done. That's it. Somebody else is going to be able to take that, and somebody else is going to be able to help them. But you're not going to get the blessing for it. You see? We're so easily discouraged. Satan. It's alive. He's well. He doesn't want you doing that. So see that for what it is. It's, it's God leading when that happens. Okay, so that's the command. That's our command to do this as God leads, most certainly. So how are we going to do this? What is the method? Now, I may not get done with all of this one because of time. And if not, we'll pick it up again next week. Look at verse uh, 2. We're, we're, we're commanded to restore somebody. Here's how you do it. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? Love your neighbor as yourself. 
love. That's the law of Christ. But bear ye one another's burdens. That word bear, it means to take up with your hands. If you look in the dictionary, you'll see bear. Uh, it isn't a grizzly or anything like that. You know, that is a definition. But it means to, to take up, to bear, to hold, to, to put it, you know, take it up with you. In other words, action. It's action. Bear. You cannot bear another person's burdens without action. You say, well, you know, I can pray for them. And how many times we do that? We see somebody that's got a need, somebody that we could very well take care of that need, somebody that we, we could give them the word, we could come alongside them, we could help them somehow. They need clothes, they need food, they need this, they need that. And we could very well provide that. And what do we do? We say, We'll pray for you. Wow. Did that help? Well, I I don't want to minimize prayer because how many times when you say that, do you actually pray for them? You know, yeah. sometimes that's just a pass off. But when you bear that person's burden, yes, you're going to pray for them. Absolutely, you're going to pray for them. But you're going to do whatever God wants you to do as God leads um, I, I just uh, the only illustration I can come up with here. I was I was over at the Sarda bus station last winter, sometime a, a year ago, and um, we were we buy back then we were buying uh, bus passes for the jail. Our ministry was providing them, uh, and so I had to go and I had to pick them up. That's a fun place. <laughs> Boy, that's a fun place, you know. Uh, and I was leaving, and it was cold that day, and I had a I had a windbreaker on because I've just gone from there to the car and into the jail. Nothing real heavy. And there was this gentleman sitting on the bench waiting for the bus to come. And, I mean, he's all wrapped up in blankets. Don't do that. He's all wrapped up in blankets. He's got this hoodie thing and and like a towel on his head. And, man, you could tell this guy is cold. And I walked past him, and I looked, and I thought, oh, man, that guy's cold. And I got almost to my car before, yeah, this is what God's telling me. Give him the coat and the windbreaker. I got tons of windbreakers, okay? Um, I'm not a clothes junkie. My brother-in-law died. He was. <laughs> He's the same size as me. What a blessing. No. Uh, <laughs> and I went over to him and I said, do you have a coat? He says, no. I took my coat off. My, this windbreaker, I took it off. I said, here. Oh, I don't want to take your coat. I says, I got a ton of them at home. Please, I've already warmed it up for you. And so I walked back to my car, and I got in, and I looked, and man, he's putting that thing on and wrapping all them blankets back on him again, and, and it's good. But what I told him, I said, do you realize how much Jesus loves you? That's all I said. Never seen the guy again. Wouldn't recognize him if I did unless he had my jacket on because it said DAV. That's what my brother-in-law was involved with. But who knows, you know? That's bearing somebody's burden. And it's very brief. That's all it is. But God directed me to do that because I normally don't give my clothes away, you know, especially when I'm wearing them. 
(laughs) But that was a God thing. And he said, yeah, do that. Okay. Why did he tell me to do that? I don't know. Why did he tell me to say, do you realize how much Jesus loves you? I don't know. That was that little seed maybe that needed to be planted. Because somebody else then is going to come along and water that seed. But if I'd never planted that seed, who would have known? You know, he, it wouldn't have been there. So we're not, there's not a lot expected out of us. Just follow God. Just simply follow God. Whatever he tells you to do. Don't make the stupid excuses. But bear ye one another's burdens. That's action. Galatians 6, verse 2. And moving on. <laughs> okay. Uh, good morning, Steve. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Wow. Wow, wow. You've got to get involved in somebody else's life if you're going to help them. You can't be a bystander and figure you're going to help them. Now, prayer, absolutely. Prayer is the source of restoration. That's where it all comes from. But it takes your action as God leads to be able to do things, to be able to make an impact. We've got to get out there. We've got to do that. We've got to see things for what they are. You know, The greatest teacher that we had in this, obviously, is Jesus. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start this. Chuck, I don't know if I'm going to have time to finish this or not. Turn over to John chapter 4. See, and then next week I'm going to test you on what you remembered. No, I'm not. John chapter 4. Have you ever noticed when you want to go to John chapter 4, how your pages stick at 2 and 5? There we go. Okay, John chapter 4. This is going to be familiar to you. This is the story of the woman at the well. But how did Jesus do this? What, what, was, what was his process of bearing somebody else's burden? This is, this is a, a, a marvelous uh, illustration of doing just exactly what we just read in Galatians. Bear ye one another's burdens. I'm going to read, start reading down through here. I'm going to comment. A little ways. Look at verse one. It says, "When therefore the Lord, uh, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, uh, and he must needs go through Samaria. Why did he have to go through Samaria? Why do you think?" Why would you take Route 21 if you're going to Cleveland? It's the shortest way. You need to go through there. Oh, Samaria. Mm. As a Jew, no, I'm not going through Samaria. Well, he'd have to go way around. He had to go through there for where he's going. Now, he also had to go through there because there was somebody there that he wanted to talk to. Uh, verse 5, uh, then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called, uh, I've been pronouncing that wrong all these years, it's Sukar. Sukar, I always pronounce that Sychar, but it's Sukar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Sukar, 
that word, uh, I, like I said, I love looking at words, but the definition of that is drunken. The name of the town, drunken. Does that give you a good picture of what goes on in that town? That was a wicked, riotous town. And Jesus went outside of that town. He didn't go in. We're going to see why here in a bit. Uh, now, Jacob's well was there. Uh, Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Jacob's well, just a little history on the thing. Uh, Jacob's well is about a mile uh, south of Sukkar, a mile they had to go a mile from the town out to draw water and back. And it says here that it's the sixth hour. The Jewish day started at 6 o'clock in the morning. So the sixth hour would have been noon. And the hottest part of the day is noon. And that's where he was. And he was weary in his journey. Uh, yeah, it's hot out there. And and Jesus is 100% God, but he is also 100% man. And he gets tired, he gets hot, he gets wearied, and he sat down on that well. Verse 7, there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Uh, at noon, you're going to go out there and you're going to draw water at noon? Um, that's unusual. Uh, Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. What's he doing? What's he doing? Jesus is a Jew. Jesus knows full well that the Jews and the Samaritans, they don't get along. Okay? How many people in our lives we don't get along with? You stereotype people and you say, oh, I'm staying away from them. Jesus here, what did he do? He sat down and he engaged her in a conversation. Friendly. Nothing hostile. Just give me the drink. Help me out here a little bit. I'm thirsty. Uh, verse 8, and his disciples were going away into the city to buy meat. So, ideal situation, just like we're doing with Kyle and one other guy. One-on-one, -on -one, just one-on-one. -on -one. Verse 9, then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, Asketh me of drink, which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. But his friendship broke down that barrier, didn't it? Yeah. He made the first move. When we get somebody that God is directing us to, and they're not all that favorable in our sight, you know, um, People I work with, I mean, they've done some horrendous things. And yet, God puts them there. And i got to work with them. And I want to work with them. And that conversation broke down that barrier. We do the same thing out there. We'll come up, we'll talk to them. We'll, you know, be friendly with them. And then see where God takes it. That's what Jesus is doing. He's just being friendly. Give me a drink. He's, he's just asking her, you know. And she brings all of that up. And in verse 10, Jesus answered uh, and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. Hmm. What's he doing? He's teaching the truth. He's showing her the truth. 
Does he know about this woman? Yeah, he does. We're going to find out here in a bit. But he's just teaching, just showing her truth. You know, this is this is what it is. And non-judgmental, for sure. Look at 11. Uh, the woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank uh, thereof himself and his children and his cattle? You see, she knew something about this. She knew something about the heritage, what was going on. 13, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. He's showing her the truth. He's just teaching her what God's word says. That's what we're to do. Not judgmental, most certainly, but... There it is. Um, Look at 15. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Ooh, there's a desire there, isn't there? Now, she's thinking she doesn't want to be coming to that well at noon on that hot day. And the only reason she's coming at noon is because if she came at the normal time in the cool of the evening, everybody else is going to really get all over her, all the other women. Uh, and we'll see why here in a minute. And you probably, if you're familiar, you know why. But she's thinking temporal. She's thinking, oh, I don't have to do this anymore. I don't Just give me this water. Well, he's talking about something else, and that's what we need to be talking about. Now, we can meet needs. We can give somebody our coat. We can do that sort of a thing. But it's the eternal that we're aiming towards, not just the temporal, okay? Verse 16, Jesus saith unto her, Go call thy husband and come hither. Uh-oh. Hmm. 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith, Jesus said unto her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now uh, hast is not thy husband. In that sayest thou truly. What did he do? He's presenting what her problem is. Did he do it judgmentally? No. It's just there. This is it. Hey, guys at the jail. Hey, you you guys that are addicted to drugs, that's your problem. You're addicted to drugs. That's your problem. And, And yeah, it is. Present it. Just present it. 19, the woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. See, she's starting to, she's starting to come around now. Verse 20, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. Oh, where are we getting to now? Wow, she's getting to the question. This is the question right here. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and it, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. You Christians, you believers, this is what you say, but this is what I was taught. And what's that doing? There's a confusion there. There's a problem there. And what's it doing? It's keeping her from making a decision one way or the other because she don't know. How many times we work with people that are so confused? They are just so confused about God. They know a little bit, a little bit here, a little bit about what this guy said when he was drunk about God. And you know what I mean? 
They don't know the truth. And when that question comes out, then we know where to go. Then we know what to do. This is what happened here. Uh, She had a real problem. She was very confused. Verse 21, uh, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. Uh, But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must, must worship him in spirit and in truth. He's teaching her. He's just teaching her. He's teaching her the truth. Verse 25, the woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah, uh, I know that Messiah cometh, uh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto he, unto thee am he. It's the word of God. It's the word of God. That's what we're presenting. That's, that's what we're, we're showing here. Uh, skip down to 28. Uh, The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, not the women, the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And then look at verse 30. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. What if Jesus would have gone into that city called drunken? How long do you think it would have been before they would have laughed him out of that town? They don't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. But Jesus went out of the town, got the one that he knew was going to be there, answered her questions, taught her, and she became the missionary back to the town. And did you see the results? All the men came out to hear Jesus. When we restore somebody, when, when we give them the truth, when we answer their questions, say, well, I don't know how to answer them. No, you don't, but God does, and he'll show you. And, you know, the thing that you're going to need this week, I'm just broad scope here, uh, because I, I do have to leave. I'm, I'm over at Brewster here in about 15 minutes. Uh, my steed is waiting in the parking lot. The thing that you need to help whoever it is that God is going to bring your way this week, pastor's going to preach it this morning. And he don't even know it. Yeah. Because you're going to hear something. You're going to hear something. Steve, you're going to hear something. David, you're going to hear something. I mean, and it's not all going to be the same thing because whoever God is going to bring into David's life needs that one thing. But the one he's going to bring into Steve's life needs that other thing. But if you're not here, you see, it's so important to stay in the Word of God. You say, well, why? Because God's going to use it. Those are tools. He's going to use this stuff for you to restore somebody else as he leads, as he directs. My time is gone. I told you, I I did get through that section. Okay, well, we looked at the command. 
And we looked at the method. We saw how Jesus did it. Non-judgmental, just friendly. Here it is. That's what we saw. Next week, when I get back here, we're going to look at the source. Where does these people come from? How, how do you know? How do you know who you're supposed to help? How do you know who you're not supposed to help? How do you know that? We're going to look at the source. And then we're going to look at the preparation. And we're going to look at the reward. And that may take us two more weeks because I'm here another two weeks. And I don't have anything else to preach on. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer.